Uninterrupted Investment Show, sponsored by the SEC Registered Investment Firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brett Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Just about uh, 8.02 on Saturday morning. Great to have you here this morning and every Saturday morning talking about uh, your investments, the economy, and all these important things to make your wealth grow. And with me is Chase Wilsey. Good morning, Chase. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing well. Uh, always, uh, you know, and this is why I've been doing this for over 40 years. Uh, it's always new. It's never like, oh, it's a boring week. Always got something <laughs> something going on, something strange. We got some big news coming up next week. We got the debt ceiling raised or may, maybe not being raised. That could be a problem. Uh, we've got employment numbers coming out next week. Uh, past week, we got some things to talk about. But uh, just, I, I mean, that's why people say, when are you going to retire? It's like, why would I retire? There's so much going on. How could I retire? Hey, yeah, I know. That, that's It's dynamic for sure. Yeah. So well, let's talk about this past week here. Uh, talk about uh, something that, that was kind of, I'll say surprising to me, but not surprising. That's Scarlett uh, Johansson. Johansson. Johansson is uh, suing Disney after the recent release of Black Widow. Now, she's claiming that the release of the film on Disney+, Plus, which generated at least $60 million in premier access rental revenue over the first weekend, had an effect on the box office, which had ticket sales of $80 million in North America and $78 million in international theaters over the same time frame. The problem here is Johansson claims a large part of her salary relied on the ticket sales for the movie. Well, of course that's the case. That's what it's been for years, and all of a sudden they're trying to sneak in the streaming. $60 million is a lot. And to, oh, yeah. to not have any bonuses tied to the streaming portion, I, yeah, definitely kind of a bait and switch, I would say. And, and, and Disney's response to the lawsuit, it, it was pretty surprising to me. They said there's no merit whatsoever to this filing. I understand that portion of it. You know, I think most companies are going to deny, 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 right. which is fine. But then I think they just really overstepped themselves and said the lawsuit is especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. I, I just think that to bring that up and into the, the fight here, I, I just think that's wrong. But wait a minute. Wasn't Disney making money? <laughs> you know, and I don't know. I'm just going to say, based on what I've seen so far, I'd have to say I, I'm I'm on Scarlett Johansson's side, as it does appear Disney is using its new platform and the pandemic to really kind of circumvent paying the actress. And at, at the very least, I believe this lawsuit will create major changes to contracts for actors and actresses as they now need to take the streaming into consideration when looking at compensation, as you said, it's been based off the box office for years. Well, now if you're generating $60 million on the streaming side of it, it's like, well, I want my compensation to be tied to that as well. Right, so right. Now, <clears throat> and one thing I was trying to analyze this and thinking about it, like, okay, so they did make $60 million because I think of new people signing up for, this, for the streaming. The hard part, and we've talked about this for years now on Netflix, that you don't get that box office thing. You get people signing up, and then once they sign up, yeah, you get the monthly revenue. But how do you then start saying, okay, well, for Black Widow, because, hey, it was like six months down the road. And, and, and how do you say? Well, Disney charges $30 for 
to watch to watch Black oh, so Widow. It's not, it's not like Netflix was. Oh. No. So for their their big kind of movies, they do box office. They do charge thirty dollars to to actually view Black Widow. So that's how they made so much money off of Black Widow. It wasn't new subscribers. It was people actually paid the thirty dollars, and it's twenty or thirty. I believe it's so thirty to is, view is it. Is that on top of Disney yeah. Plus? Wow. Yeah, uh, that, that is pretty amazing. Yeah, and now I'm even more on her side because yeah, you're charging for that, but yet you're not sharing with her. And actually, I did read uh, also too that uh, uh, Eisner and I think it was a CFO. Their bonuses are tied to how much increase or how much revenue they they get from the streaming side. <laughs> so so they want that more. And like, sorry, <clears throat> uh, uh, Scarlett, we're going to not take care about you. <clears throat> we we're more concerned about our bonuses. So the whole thing is really kind of. And, and and the thing that I thought was interesting too is Disney called out how much she made. Yeah, she they said, well, she's made twenty million dollars, and it's like Disney, you make billions of dollars, and <laughs> and I don't have a problem obviously with corporate profits. No. You know, I I do think actors and actors many times are overpaid in my opinion, but you know that's up for debate. But the thing I look at here is you did circumvent <laughs> the contract yep. to favor yourself and favor your new streaming platform, and now. I think she has merit in the lawsuit because it's like, well, streaming wasn't around. And the crazy thing is uh, what her lawyers are claiming is that they did try and renegotiate the contract in 2019. Oh, really? Yeah. But never Disney never got back to her. So I just think it's I think it's wrong. And the other thing, too, that's in her favor is that Warner Brothers, they did go through uh, all their contracts, and I guess they uh, laid out like $200 million for all their actors and actresses because they realized that, yeah, this is going to kind of cut you guys out. So rather than doing what Disney's doing to Scarlett, they actually paid all their people. And again, I think it was like $200 million Warner Brothers gave up for that reason. So I, I think Disney's going to lose here, and I think they're going to come back and uh, say, oh, we're sorry. But the, the thing <laughs> that I think is interesting here is I don't know why Disney just didn't pay her. Because now you have, if I'm an actor or an actress, it's like, ah, I don't know, Disney doesn't really treat their actors that well. Yeah. I'm going to go do a movie with Warner Brothers instead. Yeah. So well, I, I think it, it could hurt them in the long run. And especially you got an actress that's well-known like Scarlett Johansson, and she's probably never going to work with Disney again. No, you know? no. And, and again, how many other actors and actresses will say, I don't want to work with Disney because they, they – they screw people over. They try to, and again, they're actors and actresses. Yes, they have lawyers, but still, you're afraid of them working with that. Well, with Disney, because you're afraid. What are they going to do to kind of screw me over? So, I I do think that Disney will come out and apologize. And I think uh, she was. Yeah, I think you said she made twenty million. I think she could have made up to fifty million. Uh, again, an awful lot of money. Yes, but still, that was in the contract. So, therefore, you don't try to change what you did. And yes, times have changed, but you still try to take care of your employees or who's ever working for making you all this money is what, is what they need to do yeah and, and i just i was baffled they brought up the pandemic and you know, oh, yeah it's like you're just you're making her out to be this monster and it's like i don't know i don't know the lady but yeah. <laughs> she seems nice enough yeah, yeah i wonder who the, the silly person was that came up with that like well let's talk about you know how she's doing this to pandemic as opposed to saying yeah you know maybe we should look at this and do something else or well, sorry, that's where the contract was, but you you make excuses for things. I think it makes you look worse, and I think they will come out probably this week with something different because it's it, not going to die down. Most of the time, companies just say this lawsuit has no merit. End right. of story. Right. You know. Oh, and, 
uh, the phone's ringing. Oh, I think it's Scarlett. She probably wants us to manage her <laughs> extra $30 million if she gets it for her. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, just a shame that things have like that in, in contract. But, uh, you know, we have talked a lot about inflation. People know inflation is out there and some concerns about 1970s like, uh, like inflation. But there's a, a very interesting point here is a change to CPI when it comes to the calculation of housing prices. Now, back in 1979, the CPI increased 11.3%, and existing housing prices climbed 14%. Now, compare that to the last 12 months, and the CPI has climbed 5.4%, but yet existing home prices, well, <laughs> they're up 23%. Yeah, and, and the thing that people have to understand here is the difference between the two reports is that the CPI now looks at an owner rent index to calculate housing prices rather than the existing home prices. This index, the, the housing rent equivalent index, has only climbed 2.3% this past year, which is far below the 23% climb in housing prices. And the big thing here is housing occupies about 25% of CPI, which means if we calculated CPI as we did back in the 1970s, it is likely inflation would have reached double digits. I mean, you could have seen so. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And twelve percent inflation. Yeah. And yeah. and what I do think this is, and and we're kind of we did a long drive up to Simi Valley this last week. <laughs> we were talking about this uh, on the way up. There was, you know, what's what do we think is more fair? Do you think right. it is more fair to have the existing home prices or the owner rent equivalent as the the measure for housing costs? Yeah, and I and I think uh, what they have now is good because what's going to happen is that when the housing prices increases, you're a person buying that house to rent it out. Uh, you're going to pay a higher price. You're going to adjust your rent for that. So we'll we'll get into the rent eventually. But if you're using the purchase of the homes, well, that's only a one time thing. That really, well, maybe you buy what three or four homes in your lifetime, <laughs> but but most of the time it's only going to be a one time thing over a long period of time. It doesn't really reflect it. And, and what is amazing, as you point out, the 25% of the CPI makes up, and there's like 170 components in there. So this is a very big one. It's a very important one. And, and again, it is part of, it, it probably is your biggest expenditure is your home. So I get that point. But I I am glad to, to see that they are now using the rent side versus the purchasing the home. I think it makes more sense. But again, comparison purposes while we're talking about this. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is you talk about there's not that many times you purchase a home in your lifetime. And also think about the su- supply right now is so constrained because there's not that many people buying homes right now. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. it's affecting everyone. So I, I do agree in, the, in that regard. Um, but the thing that it is doing is it does make the housing prices less volatile. So what I think is going to happen here with the rent index is I think you're going to see that elevate next year, and then it's going to be dragged out over time as well because, well, you never got that 25% spike that you saw in housing prices, and that needs to be reflected over time because people don't just buy homes and say, wow, housing prices went up 25%. You know, I'm I'm just not going to increase the rents. <laughs> I mean, you got to look at your cash yeah. flow on it, especially if you're a, a new owner of that home. You need to get yield off it. You right. need to raise the rent. And then if you are a different land landlord, and you say, well, their rent's at four thousand, mine's only at thirty five hundred, and we have like the same house. Yeah, I'm going to increase mine to four thousand. Right. So over time, that's going to kind of increase this rent equivalent index. And I think it is going to prolong the inflation. I just think it's going to reduce the, the spikes that we see. Right. And and, and uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen as quickly. And I, I, I'm not a landlord. I don't want the hassle of being a landlord. 
But I would think that if you have you're charging somebody thirty five hundred dollars a month, somebody else is four thousand. You may not want to just jump to four thousand yeah. because you don't want to lose that good tenant. Because I mean, as I've said before, I I would never rent in California or be a landlord because I think the, uh, the the laws are so in favor of the rent rentee versus the rentor. Uh, and 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 again, we we have you know heard some terrible terrible stories about how the uh, people just living in homes and and they can't get out of them. I mean, even right now, that's I mean, worse. <laughs> yeah, it's worse. And, and, and again, you're not collecting the rent. Uh, I, I did see uh, over the weekend that this expires too on Monday. The uh, what do they call it? the rent abatement? To where I guess you're going to evict people. Expires today. Oh, today. Today is the thirty first. Oh, okay. Okay. So so I thought. I, okay, I think you're right, and I think they're probably thinking it won't happen until Monday. Yeah. Uh, but but today, um, and that's going to be. Could be a situation. No. Not in California, though. Well, Newsom I, has expanded it. Well, he's expanded it, uh, but is he real? So he actually expands it so you can evict someone in, in California. Yeah. Okay. So on a nationwide level, it, it expires today, but I, I don't have the date. I, knew, I know Newsom did expand that. So in other words, landlords still have to carry people not paying the rent. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I did hear, too, that or I did read that uh, there's like $47 billion that was out there. Uh, from the federal government to actually pay the people uh, to the to the landlords, but the states and municipalities, I guess, are having a hard time getting it to the landlords. So it's really a mess. The whole thing's a mess. Yeah, California expanded to September thirtieth. Okay, it's so about two months. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, and the point is, I mean, <laughs> that makes it very hard to be a landlord because you're not getting cash flow right, from yeah. your assets. So and you still got to pay the taxes. You still got to pay the mortgage and everything else. So we kind of kind of got off track on that a little bit, but but it's it's just. Uh, uh, it it is back to the inflation part. I think it is better with the rent. Yeah, it is. And um, the other thing that I think it is interesting is it it's not a, a just comparison, as we said. So I mean, yeah. we talk about this runaway inflation, and oh, it's okay. It's not going to be as bad as the nineteen seventies. Well, you're comparing apples to oranges here because you got such a drastic difference in, yeah. in the housing, which is uh, the largest component of it, and it's. You know, it, it's not really a fair comparison. At the end, of it. our inflation is right. very, very high right now. I do know the '70s was a little bit more of a sustained inflation. I don't think we're going to see that. I think again, we're going to see the spike and a drastic spike, and then it, it is going to ease. And I do know that the PCE, which is the uh, personal consumption expenditures, uh, that's the Fed's preferred measure for inflation. Right. That also came out this this past week, and it was the, the highest in decades. I mean, we haven't yeah. seen this in years. Yeah, this this level of of inflation growth. I mean, there's no doubt that inflation's there, and we're just trying to show you how to measure it. That oh, it's not as bad as it was in the '70s. Well, you kind of move things around. Maybe it was when you do the same comparison. So, um, and the other thing too to, to think about with inflation is if you look at a lot of these companies reporting earnings right now, what are they talking about? Inflation. Yep. I know uh, Procter & Gamble came out, and they're talking about their razors, their Gillette. And they raised prices, and they're like, oh, we've got to raise prices again. <laughs> and that that's inflation. Yeah. And they're not the only ones. And they have to because of the cost of materials. You can't get materials. Um, you, you, you know, the shipping of it, you can't get things shipped sometimes. I mean, it, it's really causing a problem. Uh, and a lot of it is because we can't get people back to work because they get paid a very good amount staying home, which kind of brings me back to the why people aren't paying their rent. I don't get that because if you're getting all this money from not working. You've got to get the new iPhone, obviously. Well, I guess you spend it on other things opposed to your rent, which, uh, you know, but yeah, I mean, you're getting, uh, what do we say, uh, is it 3000 a month, 4000 a month you can begin on unemployment? 
and you still can't pay your rent? I don't know. Something strange there. I think. Do you think some people are taking advantage of the of the system? Um, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on. By the way, phone numbers here. We're going to have all lines open. Well, actually, all lines open now. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. That will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, formal opinion about what you want to talk about. I did want to talk, kind of going backwards on this inflation sure. thing. Is The reason this is so important is because what happens is with inflation, the Fed's going to have to raise interest rates. Right. And I hope they're not missing the mark here because what happened in the 70s was they missed the mark on inflation and they had to increase interest rates at an astronomical rate. And then it, it, it crushed, you know, bonds. It crushed the oh, yeah, economy. Yeah. And I mean, it was very, very difficult to overcome. I don't think we would go through the same thing. But then you can't just have runaway inflation because now that really affects the, the lower and lower middle class because, well, they can't keep up with that inflation. Yeah. Yeah. And it really creates these big problems. So that's why I, I do know that we need to have interest rates increase at a, at a reasonable rate. And that's why I said I really hope the Fed's not missing the mark here. I hope that they do start to look at increasing them probably next year is, is my right. estimation. Um, and the big thing that we keep talking about, this benefits value investing. It's yeah. going to probably, in history it has, hurt growth investing, and it's going to hurt bonds as well. Right, right. And and also, too, you bring up a, you know, a very good point because of how things change. And I'm very worried, like you, is that if the Fed does get behind, and they did say they're going to, I think they said they're talking about it or they're going to be pulling back on their purchasing of, of the uh, bonds and so forth, which is a, a step in the right direction. Yeah. But you're right. If you get too far behind, you try to play catch-up, that really causes problems. So yep. but, um, it's you got to be careful there. Um also, too, we are seeing shortages here in the U.S. on products like refrigerators and cars, and we're also concerned about the rising U.S. debt. Well, there's another concern that is not being talked about currently, and that is the trade deficit. And our, our economy, as it continues to grow, it, it's growing far ahead of the rest of the world. We will have a large appetite for foreign goods to fulfill our needs, but yet the world is not ready to buy our goods. What this means is, unfortunately, going forward, this will create larger trade deficits and more of our dollars going overseas. As we said, we we're having these supply issues, these supply bottlenecks. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, we can't produce it here. So, yeah, we're going to have to go to China to get these products. Right. right. Uh, it does create those problems because we're flowing across to different areas. And we want to have our country get back on its feet because if we're not manufacturing goods here, well, now we're losing jobs overseas. Mm-hmm. They might not come back as yeah. quickly. And when you send that money overseas, it, it doesn't come back. I mean, and that's a problem that people don't realize. And it doesn't hurt now, but we've talked about 20, 30 years down the road where other countries own our country because we've sent all our money over to them. And, and, and that's the problem. That's why we want to try to manufacture as much as you can here. Uh, but, but it is an issue because we have all this money. And, and I think in the, uh, the economy, the M2, the liquid money, is what, uh, two, $20.4 I believe is the number that we have now. So people want to buy refrigerators. They want to buy cars. I mean, almost anything you want to buy, it's like it's in short supply. So therefore, well, let's have the rest of the world make it. So it helps them out. But again, sending our money over there, and they're not buying our products. Now, it will shift eventually, but it, uh, but again, we've, we'll probably send trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars overseas, which I don't like seeing because it can hurt us. It will hurt us long term. Well, the nice thing is just a you know few trillion dollars. That doesn't even matter anymore. <laughs> What's right now? 
Uh, so it's just a few trillion dollars. Doesn't yeah. really, that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> you know, it just oh, here's a trillion there. Trillion. Yeah. <laughs> just, just give out money. It's fine. Yeah, you, it used to be like billions. Now, like oh, who cares? It's three trillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> inflation that's what inflation shows so hey and i do want to mention that uh before we go to the calls uh our youtube video we, we did a great one on friday and uh I, and i think a lot of people are liking uh doing that we do it uh once a week on a friday yeah we're doing that youtube video now once a week we we talk about i mean such a big big thing here is that the semiconductor shortage and we know it's a big problem with, and and we look at this company it's a san diego based company too that uh i think it, it could look pretty good and and, and we have a, uh, I think a good opportunity it takes a little bit more research, but I highly recommend going going to our YouTube channel again, Smart Investing mm-hmm. with Brent and Chase Wilsey. You can subscribe there, look for our past videos on different companies. It's kind of like the show here. We just pick a, a good company and we break that down for people, have a good conversation about the semiconductor shortage. Again, that's Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey on YouTube and uh, become a smart investor. And I, and I don't know what the time, I think they usually what, about 10 minutes conversation. Say about 10, 15 minutes. 15, yeah. we, we try to be educational, try to point out more things to help people become smarter investors and so forth. So uh, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before we go to the calls, I do want to mention we got the workshop coming up here. It's going to be August, and here <laughs> we are again. It. Thursday evening, August 26th at 6, we'll be holding our Smart Investing Workshop, showing you how we invest our money and our clients' money as well. I've been in the finance world for over 40 years, so I've seen a thing or two, and we'll be sharing with you tons of information. We will be discussing the question I hear a lot today, do you think there's a correction coming? We'll talk about that. How important is compounding? For investors, it's amazing when you really look at this. Going to show you how it works. We'll also give you our thoughts on the current inflationary environment. We'll also give you in detail what all these numbers mean that we talk about here in the show and uh, TV and everything else, and which ones you should be concerned with. It is a free workshop, but you must register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com, or call the office eight five eight five four six four three zero six. That's eight five eight. 546-4306 and talk to Brianna. She'll get you signed up. And again, looking forward to seeing you on Thursday evening, 6 o'clock, August 26th, talking about investing, finance, money, making you a smarter investor. All right. Uh, again, phone number is 866-577-2473. I, I know we did have a call from David who hung up, but I guess he had a comment on um, uh, I being think a landlord. A, being a landlord. Yeah. So, so I don't know if he... Uh, couldn't wait. Maybe it's in the, at this. Sometimes people uh, call when they're at the store and they're they're waiting in line and then they, they got to hang up. So David, I'd kind of be curious to hear your comments uh, as a landlord. But uh, let, let's go out to San Diego and speak with Art. Art, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, hey, good morning, guys. How's it going? Good. How you doing? I'm good. I'm calling about UPS. Okay. And and do you hold that or looking at buying that? Yes, I hold it. I bought it uh, at around a hundred. And I kind of feel like I missed my chance to sell high. It's it's uh, well off its highs now, but I wanted to see what you guys thought of it at this point. And, and I'm not sure. I, I I believe they reported earnings or reports came out about them and Federal Express. 
that uh, they are seeing the shipping decline because they're saying more people are going back to the stores. So I believe that was what kind of hurt to both UPS and Federal Express. But let's take a look at the numbers here to see uh, where we stand as far as it's a good investment or overpriced or where we stand. Symbol is UPS. A P.E. ratio is expensive here, Art. It's 27.7. That's above the expensive industry at 24.9. We do see price of sales 1.8 versus 1.4. Price to book value, very expensive, 32. I say that because the industry is at 10.9. And then price of cash flow, 18.7, well above the industry at 11.1. Now, you, you do get a decent dividend from them, and I say decent as 2.1%. That is above the 10-year treasury. UPS uses 44% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, sales, and let me see, these numbers are as of June 30th, so we do have uh, new numbers here. Uh, sales year over year were up 19.5%. That's above the industry at 17.9. Earnings per share did climb by 37.4, but that's below the industry growth at 70%. Looking at the balance sheet, uh, they got a current ratio of 1.4, same as the industry. The debt to equity for UPS has always bothered me. It's 209 versus 119. I don't know if there's something else strange on there or not, but that's just a heavy debt to equity. We don't like seeing it at much above a 120 or 130 level. Looking at the return on equity, 80 versus 32. So now I'm thinking that, okay, maybe they have very low equity. Maybe that's why the debt to equity is so high because 80% uh, return on equity is very high. Net profit margin, well, that checks in at 6.6 versus 5.4. And then receivable turnover, 9.6 versus 8.4. So maybe not great numbers, but not bad numbers. Chase, what do you see going forward? Yeah, so starting with the current price here for UPS is $191.81. 52-week high, well, that's $219.59. And 52-week low is $135.15. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $11.60. Would give us a target sell price right near the current price as it's $192.56. And again, a reminder, current price $191.81. So we're talking about, about eh, call it $0.70. Cents. Right. away from our, our target sell That's price. Yeah, so so and I, I do know that they've kind of struggled after their earnings release and they, they beat, but then the guidance wasn't as great. They they didn't beat by maybe as much as some analysts were thinking, so they did pull back. I do also know that Amazon reported this last week good numbers, but then disappointing guidance going forward. And, and I think what's happening is we know that, that shipping and, and people shopping online is, is here to stay. That's not going anywhere. But I think a lot of that growth was pulled forward during the pandemic, and now, yeah, we'll, we'll still grow the online shopping, right. but it's not going to be at these exorbitant rates that we saw during COVID, and I, I think this is weighing on the stock. I, I, I do think there could be some opportunities down the road if they continue to pull back, but right now, it appears to be fairly valued. And, and also, too, I mean, one thing we talk about, it's not a decline in the sales. It's a decline in the growth of those sales that was actually happening. I think Amazon's like 40 uh, and it was only going 20 or something. Same thing with UPS. So they're, they're, they're not declining, but the sales growth is declining. And I actually did look at the, uh, uh, for your art, I looked at the balance sheet here for you. Now, some good things here. I mean, actually, the debt uh, a year ago was $26 billion. It is down to $22 billion. Uh, and the equity has actually gone up from $4.3 billion to $10.8 billion. So UPS is turning that around. But as Chase said, it's pretty much what would you say forty cents away from the target sell price? <laughs> Seventy yeah, cents. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What was the high recently? I mean, did it um, two nineteen fifty nine? Okay, yeah. So I, I mean, you kind of missed the the top there, Art. But I but I think you know again, it, it could turn around, go back up. 
but I would prefer that I would say, you know what, let me take my profits here. It is trading very close to target sell price. Let me take my profits and try to find something else that's more reasonable. How, how long have you held it, Art? Uh, probably uh, 18 months now. And, uh, yeah, I came really close to selling it at that top, but it's in a taxable <laughs> account. So I, I, I delayed and didn't do it, and now you know we're $30 off the high. Yep, yep. And, and, and sometimes taxes, I, we try to explain it. I, and I think we're going to do a chart on this on the, the next workshop. Uh, to show people that the taxes that you pay, the thing that people don't realize, you, oh, I'm going to pay this amount in taxes. But that's only on your gain, whereas when you lose 10%, that's on the entire amount. So many times people do the differences. And it's like, oh, and, and, and we say at, at our firm, we'll never make a tax decision over economic decision because had you sold UPS at that price and say you turned around, you bought something else at, at 10, 12 times earnings, how far ahead you would be two, three years down the road. So, but uh, I would still say if it hits the target sell price now, probably get get out and look for something at a better price. I guess I had to learn that lesson again. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> You're welcome, Art. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I mean, just kind of talking about the taxes, actually, just kind of, Hold some numbers together here real sure. quick. Uh, probably make it more expansive on, on a workshop. workshop yeah. But uh, what, what this is, I look at saying just really simplistic. If you bought a stock at 5000 or four, five, $5, you bought, dollars, you, you spent $5,000 okay, and it went up to 10000 So you made 100% profit. Right. And it, let's just say it was, you know, long term gains. If you paid 20% on the capital gains, so you paid 20% on $5,000. You pay a thousand dollars in taxes, and not everyone pays. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, because it's only on the five thousand. Okay, yeah. Right, yeah. So you'd pay a thousand dollars on taxes for that growth, assuming a twenty percent tax rate, which not everybody pays. Some people pay more, especially here in California. Some pay less. Some pay less. Yeah. I'd say many pay less, but that means that the stock would have to go down ten percent to break actually break even. Yeah. yeah, which is very very realistic. Well. I guess since you told it now, we don't need to do it at the workshop. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do the workshop and explain more detail. Because and it is important that that people, oh, I'm not paying taxes and so forth. Um, you brought the the concept of what you actually look at, and also too, and as I brought out, you know, talking with Art, that also too, what are you missing by buying a a better company or or lower price company that's going to do better for you two three years down the road. Yeah, because it doesn't even mean that UPS would have to go down 10%. If you have the opportunity cost of another company increasing, let's say, 20%, and UPS just plateaus, it would have been better off paying the taxes there. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's where it, it, it's always hard because nobody likes paying taxes. I know the, the old adage is <laughs> there's two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. That's right. And <laughs> it, it is part of it. So people try and avoid it, but sometimes you try and get too cute, too fancy with it. Sometimes you know, we, we tell people it's not bad when you pay taxes because that means you made money. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it's it's a difficult decision. And I'm <clears throat> getting an internal error has occurred. Just on hit the, back. Just hit back? Yep. Okay, yeah, but it takes me back to the, the last company is what the problem is. So, you should just, yeah. Yeah. So because I, I see we got Joe and Oceanside here. So, you know, Joe always talks quite a bit. So uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll go to Joe and Oceanside and I'll try to get this fixed here while I'm doing this here. Uh, we got Joe on there. Yeah, good morning. Good morning, Joe. How you doing? Doing great, doing great. Um, 
Yeah, you know, UPS, Brent, you've always had a problem with their debt, and uh, you know, but they've always gone up in price, and you know, they've been in business over a hundred years. So, you know, <laughs> I will say we we I think I can say this. Uh, we did look at FedEx because their debt was much better, and and uh, FedEx was a, a great great company for us there. Yeah, we we yeah we we did. Got to be careful what we say here uh, uh, from the SA. We did hold it, <clears> and, <throat> we, held uh, it. we did well on. We it. were happy with the, the returns yeah. on it. Uh, and, yeah, and, it, and we still credit. stuck to the discipline of avoiding the, the high <laughs> debt to equity with UPS. That's right. That's right. <laughs> How you doing, Joe? Which, what which can I do for you? Which, which hasn't hurt the company either, you know, because like I said, they've gone up a lot. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I looked at the balance sheet, too. I mean, the balance sheet's not horrendous. And again, they are bringing the debt under under control, I'll put it that way. But it may not hurt this time. But you can't say, well, it didn't hurt this time. It'll never hurt. Uh, you never want high debt companies, and and it doesn't mean every company's going to be hurt by it. But you still got to be careful with it. And you know, I'm glad. I mean, UPS is and their debt to equity has improved a lot. Yeah. So that yeah. that's one thing too is you know like AT and T we wouldn't buy for years because their debt to equity is horrendous. Right. Well, they've been able to buy uh, pay off a lot of debt, so now it actually looks kind of more interesting. Yeah. So I I would say that. You know, you can't always be right on it. A lot of companies fix that balance sheet, but we always stick to that discipline of the debt to equity. Doesn't mean that the stock's not going to do well. Love to say, oh, yeah, debt to equity is two hundred is going to do terrible. We know that that means we're going to miss some things, but we always stick to that discipline. And as I said, sometimes it means we do miss things. Yeah, and, and there have been companies like uh, General Motors, uh, like Macy's, like a lot of other companies that the debt did on the company so you should never make an excuse for it just because of that but anyway joe how can we help you i'm sorry we, we got way off track here for you what can we do to help you out you know and one more thing though is that delta variant if that comes back strong enough to you know have some sort of pullback as far as lockdowns masks whatever that could help the company price yeah. raise as well so yeah um but i called up uh with the f uh not the acronym but the uh symbol f for ford <laughs> okay and do you hold that or we're gonna buy that you know, I just picked it up. I was going to do a swing trade on it, and I probably should have because it just pulled back because it had good earnings. But, uh, you know, I still might get rid of it and just buy Because, you know, I think like yourself, we're going to have a correction, so I'd rather just get stuff lower anyway. So Yeah. Well, again, a correction could be Monday, could be like six months from now. But, uh, again, always be good to be prepared for it. So let's take a look at the Ford Motor Company. Their symbol is F as in Ford. Uh, good start here, Joe. I mean, P ratio 16.5 versus 73. Price to sales, very good, 0.4 versus 3. Price to book value, 1.6 versus 8.1. And then price to cash flow, 5 versus 19. So the valuation ratios on Ford looking very, very good. Uh, they do not pay a dividend. I, I was kind of surprised. I don't think they announced it. Uh, I thought maybe they would pay one or announce the payment this time. They did not, so maybe it'll be in the next quarter, but uh, we'll, we'll see on that. Uh, sales were up 4.6%, just above the industry at 41 Big turnaround in earnings per share year over year last 12 months, up 264%. The industry was up 600%. Uh, the balance sheet for 40 got a current ratio of 1.2 uh, versus 1.3 for the industry. Now, debt to equity, 423 versus 156. But again, this is different because they do carry their accounts receivables for the car loans that they actually make. We do see return to equity looking okay at 10.4. I say okay because the industry is 11.7. Net profit margin, 2.5, about half the industry at 4.1. And then receivable turnover, 15.3, very good compared to the industry at 3.5. And inventory turnover, 10.3 versus 9. 
Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price for Ford Motor Company here, $13.95. 52-week high, well, that's $16.46, and, and well off the 52-week low here of $6.41. I got to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $1.84. It would give us a target sell price of $30.54. And one thing to point out here is this is one thing that we've always kind of battled with with these auto manufacturers is they're so cyclical is will they reach that 16.6 multiple? That's something that you got to kind of consider here. And I, I, I know that um, you know General Motors has a lot of potential for like subscription revenue. And if the auto industry is able to kind of get into more of a consistent revenue stream, I, I think there's no reason why they shouldn't be trading at higher multiples, like Tesla, for example. Um, but I, I do want to know more about Ford's kind of business lines. I know that they're actually doing quite well. I talked about the Ford Mustang Mach-E. I, I was wrong on that. I think it is a lot nicer than at first. I was like, oh, that thing's hideous. And now I'm like, I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the Bronco's doing well for them. They, they report some good earnings this past week. I will be interested to see how GM does this week to see kind of more of a comparison of the, the two large auto manufacturers right. here. And, and I got to say, Joe, I, I think Ford has really done a great job over the past year or two really turning themselves around because for a while, like, oh, Ford was terrible. They've really done some great things. I, I think they put a lot of money in R&D, came out with the new, again, the Ford Mustang, uh, Mach-E, uh, the, the, the Lightning uh, F-150. Um, so they have done a good job. Um, I think it's worth holding on. And, and also, too, with uh, the car manufacturers, because so much is going forward with subscription-type services and so forth, I think they're changing the business model to, to help them. So I, I, don't know, I don't know if I would sell it uh, myself, Joe. I know you're more of a trader than we are, but um, I, I think I like the company. I've got to hold on to it. By the way, what, what do you drive for a vehicle, Joe? Uh, well, I, I, I drive a couple of old Hondas, actually. Really? Okay. <laughs> and and the bike, right? Ago before, well, before I bought the stock, you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, you're a smart man. I mean, you waste a lot of money on cars, and I, I, that's, that's my fault is I, I love cars, and I, and I know it's not very profitable, but I just have that that thing but uh you know uh, smart driving cars and, and hondas i think are the them and toyota i think are they're, the they're great values great values yeah so you're, you're a value you're a valued car driver but you like to play the market a little bit though joe <laughs> well i did i did i did pick up that motorcycle too i was telling you about that one oh. time i did pick that up new so that's right um but you know you know gm um you know i wonder how the, that the recall is gonna if that's gonna affect their earnings at all as well and and Ford, you know, whole thing, like you said, Brent. Um, you know, if we do have a pullback, you know, I could, I could just take a small profit now and, and just hold the powder until maybe that happens and get it at a better price. It, it, it could be, but I, I, what if GM reports good earnings, brings Ford up another, I don't know, two, four, five percent, uh, and and then you you miss that growth, and then it. it the thing I don't like about trading is that you never know. Sometimes you're right, sometimes you're not. I know trading is a lot more exciting than what we do, but I'm more excited about making good money long term. And my concern is if you sell it now and it goes up, we'll say another 5%, 10%, then it pulls back 10%. Well, 10% of a higher amount won't be as much. So it, you get in this thing, and then I don't know if it's taxable account you're dealing with, but um, I, I, I just tried doing trading many, many years ago when I first started. Like, this is crazy. I have no justice for it. And, again, the, the, the correction could come next week because there's some things coming out, but there's a lot of money out there in the economy, and it seems every time things drop a little bit, there is somebody there to to buy another lower price, so that's why I'm I'm cautious. So right, yeah, I Joe? bought it in two separate accounts. I bought two separate accounts, and they're taxable accounts. These ones are. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, it's just yeah. So yeah, you'd hold basically on you know, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, okay. Joe, Joe, good, uh, good talking to you there. Uh, thanks for calling in, and uh, uh, we'll see what to do. We'll let us know if you sell that Ford. <laughs> I will. We'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye-bye. All right, that does open up the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And it is going to be interesting when GM does report next week. As you said, Ford didn't bring back the dividend. What if GM brings back the dividend? I, I And I know, I think I said... I think they will. I think you said you might think it might be September. Yeah. Well, actually, this is August. This is August. Yeah, this is the start of the third. I said I thought it'd be third quarter, which would be that would now. be October. Well, okay, so the start because, of the third quarter. I thought you meant yeah. the end of the third quarter. Um, so which would be October. So so yeah. we'll see. And uh, we have seen some companies bring back the dividend. Yeah. Um, I, I and I know that uh, Chevy had the, the recall on the Bolt. I don't think it'd be that big of a. I mean, I don't think the Bolt is that. Percentage-wise, yeah. it doesn't make up a ton of their sales. And, no. and it's not like GM hasn't dealt with recalls before. I think they're probably pretty efficient with the recalls yeah, now. The recalls, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and again, they're making so much money, I think, off the trucks and the SUVs. That, uh, I, I got my fingers crossed they bring it back, and, and we'll see. And, if they, and you're right. If they bring it back and Ford doesn't, oh, Ford can bring it back, I guess, midstream. Don't have yeah. to wait till the quarter. So, all righty. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577. Five seven seven two four seven three. Let's talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson, about uh, pension lump sum versus pension guaranteed income. This is so important. Good morning, Harrison. How are you doing this morning? Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you doing? Great, great. I, I love this topic because this is something a lot of people deal with. Do I take the lump sum? Do I do the pension guaranteed income? Well, what I do here kind of help us out. Yeah, and um, actually, I, I take a look at this quite a bit. I know a lot of people don't have pensions now, um, as much as they used to, but I still work with a lot of government employees and there are still um, some companies out there that still offer them. Um, and so when you get closer to retirement, that's the big question. Do you want to take the guaranteed income with the annuity or do you want to take the lump sum? Uh, on the annuity side, there's usually a whole bunch of different options you can go with, uh, single life, joint life, period certain, refund option, term certain, all that stuff or you take the lump sum and roll it into an IRA. And so there are a few things that you need to look at because in some cases the annuity makes sense and in some cases uh, the lump sum is better. But I always want to look at the payout ratio, which is the annual payment that you can get from the annuity side divided by the lump sum. That will give you a good idea of how much you're getting out of that, uh, out of that principle. Also, you have to understand, well, what other assets do you have? How old are you? What other income sources do you have? What does your tax situation look like? Um, because, again, it really depends on the individual situation. But, you know, with the annuity side, the big draw is, well, it's guaranteed. As long as I'm living, I get to withdraw that check. I don't have to worry about market volatility. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So it's always going to be coming into me every single month. <clears throat> on the lump sum side, you get a lot more flexibility, and in some cases, you have the chance to earn a higher rate of return, which turns into more income for yourself. But also beyond that, when you take the lump sum, you also get some more um, tax planning opportunities because you can choose, well, how much am I going to take in these years? Maybe I'll slow down in these years. Maybe I'll make some conversions in these years. So you get a whole lot more flexibility because whether you take the annuity or the lump sum, it's all going to be 
ordinary income when you withdraw it. And if you can defer some of that ordinary income or convert some of it, sometimes that uh, that helps out your long-term tax situation. Also, uh, with the lump sum option, when that's in an IRA, after you pass, those assets stay in your estate and they go on to the next generation. Sometimes that's important to people. So you get a lot more control of the principal as opposed to just taking that income. Sometimes if you, know, you, you pass away too soon after you've taken the income, then it's gone and uh, you know there's nothing left over. So the other day, I looked at a situation where um, a husband and wife, they're a 65 couple uh, getting ready to retire, and they were looking at a, a joint annuity from a pension, the guaranteed income. And so they could get um, just under $2,000 a month. It was uh, 1968 a month, or they could take a lump sum option of half a million dollars. And so the payout ratio of that was 4.72%. So basically that 1968 a month is um, a little bit less than 5% annually of that $500,000 lump sum option. And so what we looked at is to say, well, if you took that $500,000, put it into an IRA, and then withdrew the same monthly amount from it for 30 years, the span of your retirement, as long as we can invest that money and earn more than 2.4% per year on average, then you come out ahead taking the lump sum. And then again, on top of that, you can choose how much you want to take. Maybe you want to convert some um, and kind of go that way. And so that's an example of when the lump sum might be a whole lot better. Now, sometimes we see the annuity that's offering like a 15% payout ratio. And in that case, that's that's tough to say no to. So it really comes down to the numbers and uh, and the overall situation. And Harrison, and, and, and I've never been on favor of the annuity side because I just don't like to give up my flexibility. And you don't know how to kind of value that. But, I mean, one thing I think about, like, okay, so you, you took the half million dollars uh, and say down the road you get, I don't know, some type of cancer or something. And the amount to do it is like $50,000 because your insurance won't cover it. Well, you could use that money for that if you took the annuity side you have no access to that money. I mean, it's gone. It's just a contract for that company. So that's one thing I always look at. I, I know sometimes the annuity payouts are higher. Um, and again, this is this is what you do. You explain all the reasons to people, let them decide. M- my decision is I would never give up my flexibility. That's also because you invest. I, I do look at If somebody's like, I'm just going to take the lump sum and put it in cash, then don't do that. But the nice thing, too, is I, I, I think, um, I don't know if you mentioned already, Harrison, but the estate side of it is if you have a kid, let's mm-hmm. say, and you take the the annuity option and unfortunately you pass away in two years, well, your kid gets nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. And you definitely yeah. did not get your money's worth. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, taking a lump sum is, is a guaranteed way to make sure you're getting that the full value of all the work that you put into that company. Yeah, and that would be terrible that you, you pass away two years later and you had a half million dollars and it paid out, you know, $24,000 or $48,000. Like, wow, it's all gone. I know, I know there's other options on those as well. You take a lesser amount, you can get it, you know, paid out for a certain time frame. But still, I... Uh, I was going to say, yeah. I don't think there's anything that passed on your kid, but there's like a 10-year certain 10, that 10 you would certain, get that. Right? that that's or, what I meant. They, they would get yeah. the monthly checks for like 10, 10 years or certain stuff. So yeah. there, there's options to it. But again, as, as always, Harrison, it comes down to each individual sitting down with that person, explaining to them all the ins and outs of it so they can make a good decision based on good information that you gave them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, it, the numbers don't lie, which is a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The numbers tell a story. We all love numbers in our office. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, you have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday morning. 
Thanks, thanks guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Again, that's uh, Harrison Johnson. He is our CFP, our financial planner at our office. If you want a free consultation with him, call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. You can speak with him directly. You can also go to the website, smartinvesting 2000 Dot com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Send them an email. You can talk to them that way as well. All right. Phone number is here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Before I go back to the calls, I do see we have Arturo here waiting. Uh, so, Arturo, just bear with me for another minute because I do want to talk about the workshop coming up on August 26th. It's only a few weeks away. Six o'clock in the evening, we do have uh, you know some snacks for you and stuff. So, if you get hungry, you're, you're not going to pass out during that. We're going to show you how we invest our money and our clients' money as well. Now, I have been in the finance world for over 40 years, so I share with you a lot of different things I've done over the years. We will be discussing the question I hear a lot lately, do you think there's a correction coming? How important is compounding for investors? We will also give you our thoughts on the current inflationary environment, how that affects the investments. And we'll also go in detail all the numbers that we use for our management that I've been using for now for over 40 years and which ones to really be concerned about. It's a free workshop, but you need to register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office 858 858- 546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Speak with Brianna. We'll get you signed up and looking forward to seeing you on Thursday, August 26th, 6 o'clock at the Smart Investing Workshop. All right. Uh, as promised, let's go up to Lomita and speak with Otoro. Otoro, you're on the Smart Invest Show with Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, first of all. Good morning. How are you doing? I'd like to... Good. Good. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you guys for uh, taking your precious time to educate us which uh, an investment, that should be the first priority to get an education. Well, thank you. We appreciate and, that. And you guys are the top, the <laughs> bottom line. Okay, we, we like being the top and the bottom line. To, <laughs> look forward to see you guys, hear from you guys every Saturday. My question uh, is about the electric vehicle industry, the, uh, especially the uh, char- charging stations, uh, plug, uh, been around, uh, went up, and now it's way down. Charge point, went up, now it's down. Uh, and then there's a new one, EVGO. Is there any future in those companies? I know uh, the previous caller called, and uh, you mentioned something about the electric vehicle industry being cyclical. Are these companies down because they are cyclical, or are they just down because they're out of uh, sync with the market? I mean, it could be they got ahead of themselves, and and, and I do see down the road. I, I I hate to see this, but I know it's going to come to where you're going to have maybe less gas stations and more charging stations. And I did hear, I don't know if you saw this chase or not, but that uh, I believe Tesla said they're going to open up their charging stations to other vehicles mm-hmm. as well. Did you see I, that? I did not see that. Yeah. No, but that, yeah. that 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 would hurt, hurt these companies, obviously. Yeah. I mean, because Tesla's. A pretty decent sized charging network at this point, and you know, I, I still don't know what GM and Ford are going to do. Are they going to start building their own? Are they going to kind of sublet some of these yep. other charging stations? So, I mean, that that's the hard thing with trying to essentially predict the future here. Our tour, there's going to be charging stations. Yep. We know that, but who's going to do it? Are the companies going to do it in house? Are they going to maybe buy some of these companies? There's so many questions with it, and it, it's it's going to be a big gamble. And to kind of give you an idea of 
of why I think that the stocks are down so much. I mean, you, you brought up plug power. I, I look at the numbers here. I mean, gosh, the current price is twenty seven twenty eight. It went as high as seventy five dollars and forty nine cents. But gosh, you look back to the early 2000s, late 90s on a stock price chart, and I've looked at this before, it just blows me away, is it went to a, a stock-adjusted price of near $1,200. It is nowhere near that price any longer. So I think what happened with Plug Power and these other charging networks is, you know, everybody knows that Biden wanted to get involved in the EVs and, and kind of go that path. Oh, we got to buy, buy, buy. And they didn't even care about the fundamentals. So I think the stocks just got way ahead of themselves. And people said, oh, wait a minute. These aren't really, Plug Power is not worth $75 a share. So it pulled way back. I still do believe they're overpriced. And it, it could, I could prove to be wrong if Plug Power is the future of the yeah. charging networks. But that that's, the crystal ball is a little foggy for me. Yeah, and I, I just pulled up Plug Power real quick, just kind of look at it. And I don't know how this is happening because I thought things were kind of growing. Actually, their revenue year over year is down 125%. Earnings down 316%. So, and this company has been around, I said, I think for now, maybe probably 25 years. I'm kind of curious if there's anybody that bought it back at $1,000 still holds it now, hoping for it to come back. Probably not. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, it's more of a speculative type thing when you look at the charging stations. We know they're going to be growing. We know that's going to happen. Uh, I do remember I was down on Balboa Avenue about a month or so ago, and I believe it's a, a Tesla charging station down there, right on, I think, around Genesee and so forth. And there was a line with a, it had to be like 20, 25 cars waiting to charge their car. So the demand is there for charging stations. Uh, the thing is, what, how are they going to be profitable? You do have a big capital expenditure up, up front to build those stations. So it, it, it's something that I'm not ready to play in, even though I know it's going to do, do well. And the other thing, too, is with Tesla, they, they have their power wall, I know, that you charge at home. Yeah. So if that, that goes that route and we can get super long distances on the charges, it's like, well, I don't need to go to the charging station. I have my own charging station in the house. So, and, and that is a great point right. that, that Chase brings up because you're right. If the charging goes from, you know, right now, say it's around 300 miles or so, if it goes up to 1,000 miles, those charging stations, like, they may go out of existence because they're not needed as much because you can charge so much at home. So uh, these are the things that when you do growth investing, that things look pretty good. But the future can change on you, so I I would not be right. investing with that uh, down the road. So that's why we like to do what we do because we like to buy food companies and insurance companies and banks because we know what they're doing. So and I, I gotta ask you, Tor, what are you by like a road where like a card goes by every time? Or what's going on? Well, no, I was I was I was walking my dog and then I wanted to talk to you guys. So what I did, I just got your answer and I just pulled off the road and now okay parked. It, it's not like you're watching a race or something where cars go racing by. <laughs> cars go by, they sound loud. But thank you very much for your information. Okay, and, uh, Look forward to hearing you guys next Saturday. All right, Keep we'll be here. Thank you for calling. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And, uh, Chase, I think it was Joe brought up about the uh, – Return of the COVID, and maybe that could kind of change things a little bit. Um, I, I, I did see that. Uh, where, did my, where did my notes go here? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Carl Rove, uh, who was, uh, he was a um, house, uh, not a, he, he, he worked in the, uh, gosh, I've got his title now. He had it pulled up, but he, 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 he's, you know, been the chief of staff. That's what he was, chief of, chief of staff. So he, he's been around quite a bit. But, but he came with some numbers that were 
And again, what we try to do for people, again, we love numbers. We try to pick up numbers. You make your own decision what you think. But he points out that currently the chances of going to the hospital from COVID if you are vaccinated is 0.003. Now, the death rate from COVID for those that are vaccinated now stands at 0.0005. These are just amazing numbers. And that can kind of compares to chances that you have that are just Unbelievable. I mean, you compare that to getting struck by lightning at 0.0007%. That's actually higher than if you were to contract COVID and pass away from it after being vaccinated. And then also the chance of dying from the seasonal flu is just 0.1%. And again, we tell people these are the numbers that, that, that we see here. You make your own choices. But that, that's one reason I, I don't worry about the lockdowns. Um, I hate to say this, but I, I do think we are going to see a return of the masks. Mm-hmm. I, I, to some degree. I to some degree. Um, I don't think it's going to be mask everywhere, but I, I do think that, um, especially here in California, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see. I mean, we are seeing in LA, LA County. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if San Diego was coming up next, unfortunately, and I, that's just my opinion. I'm not saying I'm for or against masks. Right. I just wouldn't be surprised to see them. But I, I think the full-fledged lockdowns, I don't see those coming back. I mean, I think that it's just numbers are there, and it, it, it'd be too hard to do that again. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, when you look at the numbers, uh, and again, they, they used to talk about the science. Now it's not the science any longer. It talks about, oh, you, you, you know, like, oh, we got to put the mask back on. we got to do this and so forth. Um, it, it, they're not using the science anymore. And that's where Carl Rove got this information from. He's looking at, not maybe it's the science, but the the numbers, the the analysis, the analytical side of it, saying, well, let's really understand what we're doing before we say, well, let's put masks on our kids and everything else again, which I, I don't go too far off yeah. on the political side of this, but we're looking at it from how it's going to hurt the businesses and the economy going forward. I think if you go too far with it, you could start in the economy. Well, so, I have heard people, I'm, not, I'm so worried about COVID, I, I'm not going to invest. And I, I, that's where I, I think... It's a little foolish because right. I, I'm not worried about what happened last year. And I think people have that recency bias that if we have the Delta variant spread and we lock down the economy, then the stock market's going to crash. I want to be holding cash. And I, I just don't foresee that. We see a, a healthy correction coming, but it could come after maybe a 15% climb in the stocks, which would now put you behind where you were today anyways if you just held all cash. Yeah. So that's why it, it's it's hard to say go all in or go all out. That's why we look for find, finding good-valued businesses because we always have that intent of investing, but sometimes you just can't find things. Right. It's different than trying to time the market, which is, I think, what people are trying to do right here is, oh, it's going to pull back because the Delta variant. I do think that it, it's going to be low odds, very, very low odds that we see what occurred last year. Yeah, I, I, I would put the slim to none is what I would probably say. I'd probably put it about the, the death rate there. Yeah, uh, zero. What was it? And and what what is that? That is. I'm being uh, facetious, of yeah, course. I know. But but uh, five. What do we say? That's five ten thousandths. I think is what it was when you look at the numbers. I mean, it's very very low, and 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 that's why. And I think there's some people that get so afraid of it uh, and do it. And again, if that's what you want to be, that that's okay. But I don't think that the the government should actually turn things around, shut things down again. I don't think they will, especially we do have a uh, election season coming up next year. Yeah, here in California, we've got the recall coming up in September. Um, I would just be surprised. Yeah, I'd be and, very surprised. And that's where it comes back to the investing side is don't don't go to cash because you're worried about yeah. the Delta variant. Yeah, yeah, that's an emotional decision 
not a analytical. And system. don't get me wrong, I, I do think it's going to continue to create volatility with the Delta variant. Oh, oh yeah. well, this happened. This happened. Oh yeah. my god, you could see that five percent pullback, and you know it, it's going to create some fear in the market, but I don't think enough to the point where sell everything. So yeah. don't sell everything. Don't sell Didn't everything. want to end on that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. So we're going to take a, a quick break here. Uh, when the second hour of Smart Vincent comes up, I look over. I say we got all lines open. So if you want to give us a call, you'll be first up 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. That'll get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, Fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. You are listening to Smart Investing Show. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Smart Investor Show. Gosh, that uh, minute and a half goes by quick. We we got to get a couple of sponsors in there to uh, kind of like give us a, a, a chance. We can't to... do it. People people love the show too I much. I know it. I know it. And I, and I, and I do say the uh, – what did I say in the beginning? Uh, the, that we, we sponsor the whole thing to give people more time. But then I look over like no one's calling. What happened? <laughs> Everybody thinks, well, I'm not going to get on through. Now, I'll give you a secret. Right now, if you call, you will get on through. 866-577. 2473. That's 866-577-2473. And again, you want to talk about, you know, a company that you're looking at. Again, we call them companies, equities, stocks uh, that you're looking at buying, selling, or holding. Maybe you have a comment about something that's going on or questions about general investing. As Chase has pointed out, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to go to, to cash because of the correction coming up. We'll talk about that with you. You give us your concerns. We'll, we'll discuss them with you. Try to walk you through it. Absolutely. So, yeah. but I, I do think uh, now we can talk a little bit more about the workshop too coming yeah. up. Uh, you know, it, it's going to be here before we know it. And, you know, people always ask, oh, I missed the last one. Well, here you go. Here's, here you here's go. the next one yep. coming right up. Yep. And, and, and these workshops, I mean, I've never had, and, and I've, I've been doing them for 20 years, I've never had one person saying, this was a waste of my time. I didn't learn anything. Because we do talk about. I'm going to say you told me you had people walk out on you during the you tech know what? boom. You know what? You're right. You're right. That was that was different because <laughs> because back during the tech boom, when I was saying that Cisco was too pricey at sixty five dollars a share at two two thousand or two hundred times earnings, people said, "Oh, you're crazy. That's the old accounting. You don't understand the new business and how things work." So you're right. I did have people complain for silly reasons. Yeah. Okay. So maybe, but I had... they they were also wrong. So you tried to save them. That's right. Uh-huh. That's right. So unfortunate. So, yeah. But they did complain. So I guess I can't use it anymore because I did have complaints <laughs> about it. So, uh, but it is going to be uh, Thursday, August twenty sixth at six o'clock in the evening. Uh, you know, again, we'll go over all these different things to make you a smarter investor. Uh, and again, come to it. If you're not happy with it, please let let us know. We'll give you a refund. 
oh, wait, we don't charge for it. So I guess it's free. So it doesn't cost anything in, the, in there. But you will learn a lot of information. We'll, we'll talk about a lot of things right now. We'll, we'll be talking about the correction. We'll be talking about you know compounding, inflation, all these important things that you need to know about when it comes to investing. And, and most importantly, we show you everything we do and how I've managed money for so many years, what we do. We go over the... The numbers you hear on the radio show in more detail. We go over the financial statements. We go over how we get target sell prices. We go over so many things to really make you a smart investor. Again, it, it is free, but what you have to do is you have to register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or you can call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Talk to Brianna. She'll get you signed up, and we look forward to seeing you August 26th. That's a Thursday evening at uh, 6 o'clock, uh, talking about uh, investing your money. Yep. All right. Uh, well, I don't see a name here. for the I'm gym. guessing it's Jim in Alpine. But Jim? Is that who it is? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not showing that. Let's go to Jim in uh, Alpine. Jim, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you out? Ah, uh, your psychic abilities continue to astound us <laughs> You know, I just used uh, what's it called deductive reasoning. I, I know a uh, call from Alpine, so I said, oh, it's probably Jim. And I looked at the company. I know they probably pay a dividend, so I, uh, I, I kind of put two and two uh, together there. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be known, even uh, even if it's bad news. I think it was Ford that said that. <laughs> anyway, I figured you guys were sounding kind of bored. You needed some entertainment. So, uh, you know, let me know about Citizens Financial Group. And is that How is my future going to predict my future for me, Swami? All right. We'll try to do that for you. And again, thank you for, for calling in there. It is a slow day today. I know everybody is today. It's kind of cloudy outside. But is that symbol CFG? Yes. Okay. That's correct. All right, because I'm yeah. My, my Reuters is kind of giving me a hard. Oh, here it comes. Okay, because I first put it in, it said uh, internal error, but here it is: Citizens Financial Group Incorporated, symbol of CFG. Good start here, Jim. I mean, PE ratio nine point four versus eleven point seven. I like seeing that. Good start. Price to sales two point seven versus two point nine. Price to book value one point one. Well below the industry one point five, and price of cash flow ten point five versus not material for the industry. Now, I really like seeing this. They do pay a 3.7% dividend and only use 26% of their earnings to pay that out. So that tells me that dividend is very stable, and that's a pretty good yield, almost 4%. Uh, we do see that their sales, unfortunately, down year over year, 15.5%. Industry was up 09 and these numbers are for the period ending June. Uh, we do actually see that the earnings per share did grow by 79% year over year for the last 12 months when the industry was up only 14.9. So that's very attractive. It is a financial company, so no current ratio. Total debt to equity, very good, 30 versus 313. Return to equity, 9.2, just under the industry at 10.7. And then we see net profit margin for citizens is 29.99. We're going to call it 30 uh, versus the industry at 24.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Well, I did, uh, of course, figure this is a financial company, given yep. the name of the business, but it is a regional bank. So they're actually in 11 states in the New England, Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest region. So I, I'm not familiar with them in terms of services, but I, I do like them being a, a financial company. I did also find this interesting. The company was founded in 1828. Wow. That's thing has been around for a long, long time. time. Yeah. <laughs> well, one hey. of the first colonial banks out there. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, looking at the numbers here for Citizens Financial Group, uh, current price $42.85, 52-week highs $51.14, and 52-week low, that's $23.46. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $4.37. That would give us a target sell price of $72.54. So I, I, I like that there, Jim. It's a good value. You get a nice dividend on it. Um, I I like the banks, and and we've gotten a pullback on the banks right. too. Which, as I said, I mean that's a pretty substantial from fifty one down to forty two. I think it's an interesting time to start looking at these financial companies again because we talked about the rising interest rates that we foresee coming. Who benefits from that generally is your financial businesses. So I I, I like it. And, and Jim, the other thing too is that I I've kind of looked at considering because we have two uh, money center banks, big banks, what we have. And I have considered looking at some regional banks because they can react a little bit differently. But I think our financial exposure to banks might be a little bit too high because they've gone up. But I think it is an area to look at. If you don't have any banks in your portfolio, the regional banks like a Citizens Bank, I mean, I think it does make some sense to maybe put that in your portfolio. So, And I think you said you hold it. Is that correct? Yeah, I do. I've got it. I, I, I put some calls on it during the pandemic slump. Um, and I think, I think I bought it in at like 29 or something like that. Oh, good. Um, but, but I'd have to go back and look, frankly. But uh, no, yeah. it just it struck me as a you know nice stable in 1928. I didn't know about that. Jesus, what <laughs> yeah. was it like back then, Brent? What, mean, what's that? <laughs> what was it like back then? <laughs> <laughs> was it the same back then? <laughs> oh, it's much different back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Percentage-wise, uh, Jim, how much does it make up of your portfolio? Oh, I don't know. I I, I don't know. I'm going to guess four to five percent. Yeah. I mean, uh, something like that. I, I I bought a bunch. It seemed like a good idea at the time. The quote General Custer, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 been good. I just I was driving along, and you guys sound bored. And I said, Well, I got this stock that I haven't heard much about. I'll call him and ask him. So I I have to go back and see what it is. I but not. I mean, I got one stock that's gone through the roof. It's suddenly fourteen percent of my portfolio, but. Well, Everything good. else is down in the single digits. Good, good. You know, so uh, and partially with your help. Again, thank you as I do every week. Thank you for uh, being there and for and for being there. It's just that simple. Well, we appreciate uh, you listening, and uh, we're glad to hear every Saturday. Uh, thank you for calling, and uh, you know, again, I I sounds like your portfolio is pretty strong. We like it. <laughs> all right, all right, and the rest of you folks, call these people. Come on, get off. <laughs> <the floor>. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a slow day today. I, I think everybody's still sleeping in bed. Maybe I don't know. Thanks for calling, Jim. Have a good well, one. I'll, I'll, I'll call back in a couple minutes with a different name. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, Jim. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven. 2473 and Chase, it's kind of funny. I've been doing the show now for 28 years. There's just sometimes that people just slow. just slow. It's like anything. Any business. Yeah. And I, I did want to point out too, uh, just kind of continuing on with the conversation from Jim here, is he said he bought that company at 29. Right. And not only has he gotten the, the stock appreciation on it, but the dividend yield he got back when it was 29, like right now it's 3.7%. Uh, just kind of did some quick math here. It looks like his. Dividend yield based off his cost basis, about 5.5%. So, I mean, that's a great thing. And if they increase that dividend, well, it's going to be even higher. So that's the thing that people forget about with compounding is as your money grows, it's going to compound. And you get these dividends, and the company grows those dividends. Right. And it's this is why investing is 
so awesome and why it, 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 it makes people money in the long term. Yeah. And again, I was reading something last night and they were talking about how they really see over the next uh, the years to come, uh, many banks actually increasing their yield. So Jim's yield could go from a, well, he started up, as you said, 5%. Uh, it could go up to 6 7 maybe even 8% yield uh, as long as the company doesn't go too expensive. But I mean, that's why I love investing. When you do it properly, you're patient, you can do very well. So that that's what it's about. All right. Phone number is 866-577-577. 2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go up to Temecula and speak with John. John, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, good morning, Brent and Chase. Good to hear you. Good to be um, there. Uh, yeah, hey, you're, so we're, you're talking about banks, and, uh, and you know, I've been having problems finding some value. And so recently I did um, find three that I thought I liked. Um, and I purchased uh, all three, and one of them is NWBI, Northwest Bank Shares. Um, it's a smaller regional again, uh, and uh, it's at about a 6% dividend right now. Um, and, and I thought it was looking pretty good. It's, it's, it's a little high on a PE for them, maybe around 11 or 12, but I think it's still got some legs to it and looking to increase uh, my, my holding on that as well. And, and, John, how long ago did you buy that one? Uh, it was about, I want to say, six weeks ago. Okay. Eight weeks ago. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I'm excited to look at this one as well. Northwest Bank Shares Incorporated, symbol is NWBI. Uh, good start. Uh, P.E. ratio 10.5 versus 11.8. Price of sales, though, surprised me a little bit high. Three versus 2.9. Not too bad. Uh, price of book value, 1.4 versus 1.5. And price of cash flow is 14 versus not material for the industry. Now, you are correct. They do pay a 6% dividend here. Uh, but they only use 44% of their earnings to pay that out. So that dividend, to me, seems to be pretty pretty safe there. Uh, sales were up 3.9% year over year over the last 12 months versus 0.1% for the industry. Earnings per share climbed for, wow, 120% uh, for Northwest uh, Bank versus only 14 for the industry. Now, the balance sheet, again, it's a banking company, but their debt to equity only 24.5% versus 313 Return on equity is 105 versus 10.7 net profit margin. Wow. Checks in at 29.1 versus 24.7. Uh, Chase, what are the earnings? I, I'm liking what I'm seeing here on this bank. Yeah. And I, I did kind of look it up because I was curious where they're at. And, and again, this is an, uh, another older company. I, I love looking at some of these banks founded in 1896. So uh, wow. another old, old business here. Uh, but they do operate in Western Pennsylvania, Central Pennsylvania, Western New York, and Eastern Ohio. So it, it seems like they're not super uh, diverse there and it looks like they just operate 170 community banking locations so it's it's a, definitely a smaller bank for sure there john uh the other thing i did find interesting is the company also offers investment management and trust services employee benefits and property and casualty insurance i, I feel like most of the time those regional banks don't get into those different realms yeah. So yeah. a, a little bit surprised by that. But let's take a look at here at the numbers for Northwest Bank Shares Inc. Current price thirteen dollars and thirty four cents. Fifty two week high, well, that's fifteen dollars and forty eight cents. And fifty two week low is eight dollars and eighty four cents. If I go out to December two thousand twenty two, I do see estimated earnings per share of ninety one cents. Would give us a target sell price of fifteen dollars and eleven cents. So that's eh, about ten fifteen percent away from the the current price. Would be in the hold category there for us, John. I, I wouldn't sell it, but I don't know if I'd add more at this time. If we got a pullback, 
perhaps this, this could be a good option there. Did, did you get it at a better uh, price, John? You bought it six weeks ago? or I did. did. Yeah, I got a little better price. And I, honestly, you know, I had some cash sitting on the sidelines, and I said, hey, it looks pretty good. Even if it only goes up 10%, I think my downside's pretty riskless. And if I can get 6% on it, it's a lot better than the one, you know, half a percent or 1% sitting in the bank, you know? Where yeah. are you getting 1% in the bank? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, half a percent, or quarter percent, right? Yeah. There, there we go, quarter percent sounds more like it. Yeah. So that was the main reason I did it. You know, I, I, and I looked at, uh, to your point, you know, I think the banks should have some great opportunity over the next couple of years. And so, you know, I bought one Penwood, which is... Uh, uh, which is too small for you guys. It's like a hundred and fifty million dollar market cap, and then oh, yeah. uh, but Umpqua is another one. If you know, you want to keep the banking going, uh, UMPQ uh, up in the northwest, I think it's a pretty good uh, a pretty good opportunity right now too. So um, those are the three I try to get a little dividend uh, play out of, and, and hopefully be a long hold for me long term. Did you say Umpqua? Yeah, uh, Umpqua. It's U M P Q U A. It's a unique and, name. Uh, the, very unique. Yeah. Sounds like an Indian yeah, name. I think or it's, uh, yeah, I think it's an Indian name up in the Northwest. Yeah, and, and uh, the uh, uh, the stock symbol is UMPQ. So, um, and, and I think you know they even look a little bit more enticing than than the Northwest Bank right well, now. So that, I was going to say Northwest Bank shares. Or what I was going to say in that one, I think because of the large dividend of six percent, you probably won't get a lot of fluctuation in the share price. And again, I, I don't know much about the bank in general. As long as the bank is doing a good job you probably won't get a lot of fluctuation up or down on that with that 6% dividend. As I said, they only use 45% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, so it, it's a pretty good dividend payout. It's actually better than what utilities used to be. So, yeah. you know, but but again, you probably yeah, won't see that like stock. more like a bond proxy. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, for yeah. me right now. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and, and the fact that, you know, they did those other things that you talked about, you know, some of the things you wouldn't think about it, right? Casualty and property and life, you know, some of those other things. I just thought it helped round them out a little bit. So it might, uh, you know, give them a little um, little juice on the back end rather than just the banking piece. Yeah. So Yeah, if if, uh, if we had the need for a regional bank, which, again, I we just can't do it because we've got too much in banking right now, but I would definitely look at this one to understand it more because I think it's worth the research. Yeah. All righty? Yep. John, hey, thanks, thanks for calling. Thanks, guys. Yeah, right. take care. Bye-bye. Bye now. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Valley Center and speak with Chuck. Chuck, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Thank you very much for taking my call. I just want to make a comment on uh, on annuities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting on the fence a few years ago, and I thought, you know, being in retirement – that guaranteed monthly income, you know, was a pretty good deal. I could live off what I was going to make. But uh, I talked to my financial advisor and, and got some more insight. And anyway, I didn't do that. And what has transpired is that I've had to re- take my uh, required minimum distribution every year for like the five or six years. Mm-hmm. And it's been between fifteen and 21000 uh uh, and I just go ahead and throw that in the bank, and then I pull it out when I need it for whatever, or leave it in the bank just, you know, for whatever I want down the road. And uh, the portfolio has always grown back above uh, what the required minimum distribution was that I take the first week of January. And I just kind of wanted to throw that out there for people that might be thinking or listening. I really like my financial advisor. I've been with him now for, oh, 
Uh, he used to be with Washington Mutual before they went south, and uh, uh, he's with his own like kind of brokerage company now. And uh, so people might, if they're vacillating about an annuity, and I know all situations are different for all people, but uh, I've been very pleased that my portfolio has gone back up above what it was after I take my minimum distribution every year. And, and that doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future, right. but, you know, I've still got all my uh, basic principal plus, right. and, and, and I've been able to take that uh, uh, R, R, RMD, uh, you know, every year right. as, re- as required by the government. So it's been a good thing for me yeah. not to do it. And, and Chuck, and I think what you, you, you point out is that it, it did work well for you. You're glad you didn't choose the annuity. What you have had, even though you have a good portfolio, it sounds like you have had the ups and downs, the good years, the bad years, good quarters, bad quarters. But because you've ridden that through, you've done far better than it had done the annuity, I think is what you're you're saying there, correct? Uh, well, I just I'm a lot more comfortable because I, I still have all my principal mm-hmm. and every year I still have to take that required minimum distribution and, and having to do that and have the portfolio, you know, grow back above what you know, I take out every year, uh, to maintain that principal level. Um, to me, it's just something that uh, I can use down the road or it goes to my heirs or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and, and for me, it was the right decision to make at the right time. Well, Chuck, we appreciate uh, your comment there. Thanks for calling. I appreciate your show. Thank you for having it on. You're welcome. Have a good day. Bye-bye. You too, sir. Bye-bye. All right. That opens on the phone line, 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, it is nice to kind of hear from people on their personal experiences and stuff, and how you know. Again, I mean, that was his experience with the the annuity versus investing does work work better and stuff. But I do want to point out to people, I mean, there is going to be differences. That's why we talked about you know our financial planner Harrison to make sure you sit down and talk to somebody about the differences because it would be a shame if somebody didn't invest. And and I I'm no. Last March, April, I mean, things dropped dramatically. There's people that panic and sold out. Probably wish they would have taken the annuity, but you got to understand that's why you have to have a good financial advisor with you to weather those stories. Well, and it's so important too because yeah, you're right. I I made the the reference about just putting the lump sum in cash. That's not going to pay off, but it, you yeah. know, I, I'm going to bring up if you put the lump sum in Bitcoin and it goes down fifty percent, well, <laughs> that's not good either. You know, and Bitcoin's up again above forty thousand again. I mean, yeah. you know, what a, what a stable currency that is. <laughs> yeah. And I think what just a couple of weeks ago it was below thirty thousand. Yeah. So, do you remember got any calls on Bitcoin? We probably will now that we mentioned it. I know. Let's go out to San Diego. Speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Bishop, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, I'm doing great. How about you all? Good. Thank you. Thanks for calling. What's going on? Okay. Uh, just wondering about international paper. I own a small position in that. And uh, uh, with all the junk mail that I get, uh, I thought, well, maybe uh, paper's <laughs> not too bad. So uh, anyways, just interested in uh, uh, your views on that. You know, and it's funny. We looked at this company and other companies similar to it because there could be something with this. It's not. I know what you mean about the junk mail. I don't get a lot of it, but also to cardboard and what is it called? Corrugated boxes. Corrugated boxes. The other thing too, with all the shipping. Right. So, and I'm pretty sure that international paper is in that as well. So let's take a look at uh, international paper symbol is IP. Uh, P ratio twenty three point five versus not material for the industry. Price of sales one point one versus point seven. 
Price to book value, five. That's well above the industry at 1.8. And price to cash was expensive as well compared to the industry. Uh, for international paper, it's 10.8 versus 6.4. Now, you get a pretty good dividend here. It's 3.6%. They use 84% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales are down 6.7% year over year. Industry is down 206 However, earnings per share for national paper, well, they were up 48% when the whole industry was down 292 now, one thing about international paper, and I've looked at it for years, they've always carried this high amount of debt. Uh, the current ratio is 1.5 versus 2.4. That's okay. But the debt to equity is 103 versus 66. So it's not like a, a terrible, but I wish it was a little bit lower just to make me feel a little, a little bit more comfortable with a company. Return on equity looks very good, 13.3 versus a negative 4.6. Net profit margin checks in at 4 versus negative 2.4. And the receivable turnover for international paper over the last 12 months is 5.5 versus 7.4. But inventory turnover, very good here. And I think very important for a company like international paper, 7.6 versus 4.3. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? It's current price here for international paper, $57.76. 52-week high, well, that's $65.27. And the 52-week low, $33.92. I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $5.51 would give us a target sell price of $91.47. So I'd like to see that. Also, the growth here looks pretty sound as well. I mean, in 2019, they made four forty-three. 2020, of course, with COVID, they really struggled, uh, fell to $2.80. But this year, they're estimated to make four eighty, kind of back on track to seeing more growth there. And then next year, five fifty-one. I mean, that, that that's pretty substantial for a, I'm gonna say, a pretty basic company. Yeah, and I like it too because again, I I don't see anything coming up changing cardboard or car- what was it car- <laughs> corrugated, corrugated boxes corrugated boxes. Because you, you've got that shipping. And I've, I've never even heard anybody talking about anything like that. Uh, and we know that shipping is going to be continuing on from Amazon and UPS and, and all these other. Um, you know, there's been some talk. Like there's the poly bags now. Um, there's been some talks. Of, which would be plastic. I don't know exactly what they're yeah. made of. Yeah. But. See, that's one thing that, that you want to kind of look at, um, David. Like what could replace them? I just don't see anything. And I'm sure there's something out there. But. There's going to be some material that maybe it still uses the materials that they're using. Yeah. So, uh, but but I I like the company. It's a, it's a good company. It's what fifty seven. You said the target sell price is what ninety ninety one ninety one. Yeah. So yeah. so I I like it. Plus you get that nice what was it three and a half percent dividend. So I I, I think it's a yeah. good one. I like it. All righty. Okay. Thanks for your analysis. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, David. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay. You Bye-bye. too. Bye bye. All right, that opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I'm glad to see that balance. She's a lot better because remember a couple of years ago, we were looking at this and another corrugated box company, and, and we didn't buy either one. But um, you know, looking at this one, I can't look at that. That's too high. Yeah. And no, that, no, that, that's, that's reasonable. And, and I would like to look deeper into the, to the company, see what else they do. We know, I'll say they do paper, they, yeah. they do cardboard, car, corrugated board, I think you called it. Um, what else do they, they, they do? Because it could be a company that is, is one of these, what we call big dumb companies that you, you're not going to see it double in price over the next year, but you could get over a five, 10 year period, perhaps a nice 10, maybe 15% return just by the company doing the right things. And, and I, I would, 
That, that's a business I love. I, I don't want to say I'd rather get that than a company that doubled, but it's nice to see that. Where, yeah, I look back five years, like, yeah, I invested, you know, $10,000 in a company. Now, you know, five years later, it's worth, you know, oh, I don't know, $17,000. You, you're happy with that. So I, I did kind of look this up as well. They, they do have a segment that provides fluff market and specialty pulps that are actually used in absorbent hygiene products such as baby diapers, feminine care, uh, and other non-woven products, um, tissue and paper products. So there's some other things that their their products can be used for. They also do obviously have the printing paper. So (laughs) it'd be interesting to kind of see a breakdown of where their products are used. And I said, I I think there's some potential there. And and also to how much of the printed paper, uh, what is your profits from that? Because that probably is a declining business, yeah. but what the other businesses are. So it's very important when you're looking at a business, how much percentage-wise is that coming from? It's very small, and the other is growing more than that, then, then you're fine. So these are things you have to look at when you're investing in the company. All right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go back up to Alpine and speak with Adam. Adam, you're on the Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I was hoping you guys might be able to check out one of these companies I'm holding. Uh, I've lost a little bit of money since I bought into them, um, but I still feel like they're really undervalued, so I'm wondering if I might add some more. Okay. Is that the Louisiana Pacific Corporation? Yes, sir, LPX. Is that a railroad? What is it? No, they are a lumber company, actually. Lumber company, okay. I, I came across them um, when I noticed lumber prices were going up. In my brain, I said, well, it doesn't cost much more to turn trees into lumber than it did two years ago. So less debt to equity, more profit margin. Hey, the stock may go up. So I bought 100 shares. I wheel trade everything that I do. If I like a company, I'll hold it put my contracts way out of the money, reinvest that money under the next thing that I want to do my wheel trading with. But I'm holding these guys. They've lost about 15% and I'm bag holding now just kind of going, well, what do I do here? Do I add more and just wait for that price to go up? Cause I, I might, my sell price I have for them is about $95. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, let's say it's a Louisiana, Louisiana Pacific corporation symbol is LPX. Uh, good start here, uh, Adam. I, I see the P-E ratio is 7.7 versus 22.9. Price of sales, though, 1.8. That's above the industry at 1.4. Valuation ratios, you do want them lower than the industry average. Price of okay. book value looking very good, 4.4 versus 71. And price of cash flow also looking good, 6.3 versus 14.8. I do say they pay a 1.3% dividend, about the same as a 10-year treasury. They only use 8% of their earnings to pay that out. Now, sales, year-over-year year are up. That's more than double the industry growth at 15.2. Earnings per share were up by 88,000% versus 439. So that's kind of a laughable number there. Something strange there with those numbers. You got to check those numbers and see why it's so strange like that. Uh, Current ratio, 3.4 versus 2.1. Debt to equity looking very good, 24.6 versus 86. We do see return to equity is 65 versus 20.6. Net profit margin is 24.3 versus 6.2. And looking at the efficiency, we see receivable turnover is 18 versus 8.3. And inventory turnover is 6.7, just slightly above the industry at 6.5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Louisiana Pacific Corporation, $55.44. 52-week high, well, that's $76.35. And the 52-week low, it's also done well off that is it's $27.01. 
Now, if we go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $6.33. It would give us a target sell price that's very attractive at $105.08. So it looks good oh. on the valuation side there, Adam, but I want to be very kind of cautious on it because this company, we know what's kind of going on in lumber. It spiked, I think, 400%, then it pulled back 40%. Yeah. I don't know what's done as of late. But the problem here is that the cyclicality and the earnings, this is just insane. I mean, in 2019, they made $0.37. Cents. In 2020, they made $4.31. This year, the company is estimated to make $12.53. And as I said, next year, it's $6.33. So those earnings get pretty much cut in half next year. So I, I think right. the analysts are foreseeing this, this you know, kind of sustained decline from the, the peaks that we saw in lumber, which is going to hurt those margins. And, and generally... Right. That's going to kind of bring things down. So I, I'd be curious, kind of more on a more normalized run rate. What would this company earn? Is six thirty three too much? I, I think a target sell price of one hundred five is a little too high, um, and it's hard to predict the, the lumber movement right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's one thing Maybe. you want to be very careful, Adam, because uh, it appears to be a value company. But you want to be careful because again, as Chase pointed out, in two thousand nineteen, there was nothing going on. Why they only earned thirty seven cents. And now twelve fifty three next year six thirty three is that sometimes these companies jumping and out of being a, a, appear to be a value company, uh, but I believe this is trading as a commodity company because of lumber, and you can get burned on this because if lumber doesn't come back up, those earnings could fall from twelve fifty three uh, down to eleven to ten. All of a sudden, the stock never comes back up to fifty five. So uh, these are ones that we actually looked at another. Uh, lumber company. We decided not to do it for this reason. The earnings were just too way over the board. I mean, all over the board. So we decided not to do it for that reason. So be be careful here, okay? Definitely. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Well, thank you for calling. You have a good Saturday. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. 2473. And I just want to announce on Thursday evening, August 26, 6 o'clock, we'll be holding a smart investing workshop. Going to show you how we invest our clients' money and our own personal money as well. I have been in the finance world for over 40 years, so I have a lot to share with you of different things I've done and learned over those years. We will be discussing the question I hear a lot lately Do you think there's a correction coming? How important is compounding for investors? We'll also give you our thoughts on the current inflation environment, how that's going to affect investing. And also go over in detail all these numbers you hear on the show. We're going to go over those and show you how we use those when we invest our money and our clients' money. It is a free workshop, but you do need to register. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Or call the office, 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And talk to Brianna. And Chase, I'm pretty sure we did update the uh, on the website. We got to... Double check that, make sure it was updated on that. So pulling it up right now. Pulling up right now. Just to make sure, because I was just thinking, gosh, you know. That's up and running. All right. So we're good. See, there it is. All right, good. All right. So we hope to see you on August 26th, six o'clock for the Smart Investing Workshop. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to up to Carlsbad and speak with Barbara. Barbara, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi. I've got a question about uh the companies that are offering charging stations and access to charging stations for electric cars, you talked about the charging stations where there were cars lined up 
to be charged. Yes. And uh, what happens when there are blackouts, brownouts, flex alerts? Mm. It's a great point. And uh, <laughs> I do wonder, you know, Tesla's... Because they say do not charge your car during yeah. the flex alert. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't uh, think about that one, Barbara. That's a, that is a great point. What do you and do? And what would happen to the <clears throat> stock? Uh, well, it would just be because a blackout would just be or the brownout would just be here in California. Um, so it wouldn't affect the rest of the country, but it could affect it. Cause I, I, I do believe that a lot of electric cars are in California. I think we're probably the leader on that. We uh, are. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I think it could be a problem temporarily on those companies. Uh, but yeah, I, I never even thought about that. And now I know some people I know they have. Uh, solar panels so they can still charge their electric car, but if you yeah, don't... Yeah, but they say at home, don't do it either. Uh, say that again? Uh, when they say, oh, we have a flex alert between 4 and 9, do not charge your cars at home. I, I, if you have solar electricity or solar panels and plus a battery backup, I don't know if they could tell you not to do that. I, I, well, they ask you not to. Ask, yeah. Well, yeah. It, they ask a lot. Sometimes ask silly things. We don't have to follow them, do we? <laughs> but I was just curious. No, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I think a lot of people are kind of scratching their heads like, yeah, I never thought about that. Well, and it's a good point, too, because, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about how solar works really well here in right. you know, San Diego, especially. That, but what about in places that, you know, it well, snows you know, a lot, rains a lot. Yeah, yeah. Norway where they don't have sun. Yeah. 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 Sometimes. Yeah. So, uh the stations, if they weren't allowed to charge cars during alert, they'd lose money. Yeah, yeah that's true. And, you know, uh, we, we in our office, uh, uh, my operations person, Aladia, she has, both her and her husband have electric cars. I'm going to ask her on Monday, what do you do when, the, when you're told not to charge <laughs> oh. the car? <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe a hybrid is fine, but I was just curious about that. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe somebody else is going to call in with an answer to that because cause I never even thought about that because we do expect them uh, coming up this summer that there's going to be some blackouts. You know, black yeah. yeah. And what do you do with an electric car? I, okay. I guess I guess you got to plan around it. But sometimes I know, gosh, I didn't have electricity in my house for like two days and last I'm year. And I'm wondering at the house, but does the charging company, well, I guess they have no power to charge, charge it. So yeah. you're just sitting there and... <laughs> can't do anything. Just curious. Yeah, I think when that happens, I'm gonna get my gas car and drive down to those charging stations. <laughs> <what I'm> <laughs> Barbara, thank you for the great question. We appreciate it. And the Alrighty. Have a good day. Bye. 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 All right. Uh, that is a good question. I, I yeah. I I've never ever thought about that because I'm complaining like, gosh, you know, I can't run my air conditioning. It's hot in here and so forth. But. At least I can put my car and go somewhere. So I guess you just got to hope that your car's charged. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. So, all right. The phone number is eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go to San Diego and speak with Bobby. Bobby, you're on the Smart Vessel. Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good. How you doing? Uh, I wanted some input on Axos. I, I invested last year when it was kind of lower, around around 30s. Um, it kind of does the little snake effect where it jumps up, goes down, jumps up, goes down. It's always a uh, – if you sell at the right time, there's always a nice little profit, but I just don't know if it's going to be crashing soon or if it's going to be taken off even higher. Do I have the symbol right or no? It's AX. Oh, AX. Okay, that's why, yeah, because I'm, I'm getting some issues here. So let me try AX because I put in – 
happen in the whole thing. So AX like axe. Let's see what we come up with. Yeah, OS. Okay. Yeah, okay. So now I got a internal error here uh, on mine. Let me try something else here. Oh, this uh, is another uh, regional bank here, huh? I, that's what I kind of Yeah, thought. there's no dividends, though, which is the oh, downside to it, but there's always good profits off it. Okay. Decent yeah. profits. Decent yeah. profits, yeah. And, and you said you hold it or you're looking to buy it? Um, I'm holding some right now. Um, I'm tempted to buy more. Okay. I just don't know the direction it's going in. It just spiked. I sold a little bit. Um, now it's dropping, and I don't know if I should buy more or, should, or just hold off. Okay, well, let's say it's uh, Axis Financial Incorporated. Symbol is AX as an Axe. We do see a PE ratio of 13.2, just slightly ahead of the industry at 11.7. Price to sales 4.4 compared to 2.9. Price to book value 2.2 versus 1.55. And price to cash was 11.8 versus not material. So the valuation ratios look, eh, I'm going to say a little bit expensive for me. We do see they do not pay a dividend. I'm surprised for a financial company not paying a dividend. Uh, we do see sales year over year were down 0.8% when the industry was up 0.09. Earnings per share did climb by 21.4, better than the industry at 14.9. Look at the balance sheet, uh, current ratio, not material because the bank company. We do see the debt to equity very good, 67.8 versus 313. Return on equity for uh, Axis Financial is uh, 16.4 versus 10.7. Net profit margin, well, that checks in very good at 33.5 versus 24.7. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Axis Financial, $48.56. 52-week high is $54.36. The 52-week low plus $21.27. If I like out to June 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.99. Would give you a target sell price of sixty-six dollars and twenty-three cents. So, I mean, the, the value is definitely here, Bobby. It's a, it's a great value business. Uh, I, I I am curious if it's a younger bank. I mean, it was founded I think in nineteen ninety-nine, so a lot younger than the early ones yeah. we, we talked about in eighteen twenty-eight. One of the newcomers. For sure. yeah. yeah. So curious, kind of how got they're something growing. To prove, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they are in Las Vegas, Nevada, too, and we we know that. Vegas' economy is, is we believe, going to be coming back and, and coming back very, very strongly as we come out of this pandemic. So that could be an interesting way to play the Vegas economy, having that regional bank there. And again, great values. Yep, yep. So, yeah. And if you look at their history, they, I mean, like I said, they drop, but they always come right back up and they come back stronger too. Not by much, but enough to be happy with. Yeah, and it, it could be buying opportunities, but again, check Check the bank, make sure everything looks good on it, You know, make sure there's no problems because you'd hate to say, well, it always happens until it doesn't, and then you lose money on it. So, I, I mean, I, I think it's definitely worth the research on it. I mean, I kind of like it. Also be in Vegas. Um, did, did you see how many branches they had, Chase? It didn't give me that. Yeah, um. yeah. So, yeah, because the other thing, too, you want to be careful of is just to make sure that it's not too focused just on Vegas because uh, that could cause problem if, if we do have, uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but a major lockdown again and Vegas closes down. Uh, that could be a problem for the bank. So just be careful there. Yeah. All right, Bobby. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Hi, right, man. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Escondido and speak with David. David, you're on the Smart Invest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? 
Good. So I've got kind of a, an interesting question. So I, um, I have a little side hustle on eBay, and I'm bringing in about $300 net a month uh, for not a whole lot of work. And I don't do a lot of stocks. Uh, mainly the money just gets dumped in the bank, which isn't earning me anything. I'm considering maybe doing a little investing into stocks that have more of like dividend potential. We'll just like say AT&T, for example, and then just sit on them for long term. Is this like a good play or do you guys have a different suggestion? I mean, it, 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 it could be because I, I, I think you said $300 a month. Um, it's kind of hard to start getting into companies like that. We, we really right. don't recommend to start investing into individual equities until you have at least $5,000 and kind of diversify a little bit because you'd hate to start doing it. And the one that you <laughs> invested in went down 50%. You'll never come back again. So you, what you may right. want to do is, is maybe look at a good value mutual fund and uh, start putting the money in there. And then when you reach, you know, okay. five, six, seven thousand dollars, then then start looking at, you know, uh, some individual companies. So then then you get, you know, six, seven, eight, ten different companies, uh, and you kind of listen to the show. How, how long have you been listening to the show there, David? What was that one time? How, how long have you been listening to the show? Uh, very, very new listener. Very oh. new. Okay. Well, what you can do is keep listening to the show, kind of write things down. Uh, I like the idea of kind of building the portfolio. And, and it may take you a while to get started, but I'd rather have you get started in the right mode than, again, buy one or two stocks that are very poor. You, you lose money on it. You don't do it anymore. So start off slowly. All righty. Okay. Cool. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. You too, David. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. I was going to say too. I, I think it is. A, I mean, I, I don't think it's a bad idea to save money and invest that money. Oh, no, so no. I mean, I I think that's an, an awesome idea for for David to you know put money, the excess cash flow, you know, invest it. Because if you don't need it, don't don't just put it in the bank and have it sit there. Unless you don't have like right. some liquid savings, of course. And I don't know his uh, financial situation, but uh, if he's not doing like an IRA or something, and take that yep. three hundred dollars a month, put it in an IRA, get the tax deduction for it. Uh, then you have even more money left over. So maybe you can invest instead of three hundred, maybe you invest four hundred because you get a tax deduction for it. So you'll you grow your money much quicker. And I say much quicker. I'm talking, you know, five, ten, fifteen years down the road, you do that. Like, wow, I've, I've got quite a bit of money now by doing that. So, yeah. but but that's why I was saying to to go slow when you're doing that because I'd hate to see you, you know, do it, you know, two or three hundred dollars a month for six months. And you bought some crazy company that went down dramatically, and and you lost thirty percent. You might just say, oh, I'm not going to do this any longer. So yeah. Already, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Brandon. Brandon, you're on the Smart Vessel, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hey, guys. Great show. Um, I am wanted to call about Cleveland Cliffs. I called you guys probably about three months ago or something like that. Um, I didn't take your advice and kind of still invested, but now it's gone up. And I wanted to see what you guys thought about it now. Okay. So I, I take it that uh, three months ago, we, we thought it looked pretty good. Is that what you were saying? No, we said don't buy it. No, we said don't so buy you guys it. Thought that were, you guys thought it had a little too much debt. Okay. But my, my research, I thought they could pay it off, and then they did pay it off. And then now we have the infrastructure bill kind of going through Congress. And so I kind of wanted to see what you guys thought about it. Okay. Well, well let's take a look at it here again. Uh, coming again is Cleveland Cliffs Incorporated, symbol CLF. We do have a good start in the P.E. ratio, 16.4 versus 26. Price of sales also looks good, 1 versus 3.6. Price to book value, 4.6 versus 5.6. And price of cash flow, 8 
that is below the industry at 13.4, and that's a positive for evaluation ratio. They do not pay dividends. We do see sales are up 411% year over year above the industry at 14.5, and earnings per share for Cleveland Cliff, well, they're up 1,914 versus 131 for the industry. Now, the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 2.2 versus 2.5. That is good. The debt to equity now, and let me see, and this is as of June, is now 135.1 versus 85. I don't remember what it was before, but now 135. Still a little bit concerning on it, but if everything else looked pretty good, we could say, yeah, we, we might want to invest in this company. Return to equity is 43.4 versus 2.4. Net profit margin, 7.1 versus 6.1. And we see a turnover 10.2 versus 7.2. Inventory turnover 3.6 versus 3.3. Chase, real curious on the earnings going forward here for Cleveland Cliffs. So current price here for Cleveland Cliffs, $25. 52-week high was $25.83 and the low $5.16. I go to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share here of $3.22. It would give us a target sell price of $53.45. So, I mean... We know the valuations are very strong on this one, uh, Brandon. And the thing is, as you said, it looks like they paid off that debt, which is nice because it reduced their debt to equity. Yeah. Um, kind of similar, I think, to the lumber company. That, that these these companies do scare me a little bit because, again, the extreme cyclicality. Uh, they're they're commodity based companies. So if those commodities turn south, it doesn't matter how well run the business yeah. is. That stock price is going to head south as well. So I mean, I'm glad you've done well on it. Uh, just be be careful with it as well. And actually, one thing, too, you want to think about here as well is that with this whole infrastructure bill, there's a lot of confusion on it. It's not like, oh, all bridges and roads and steel and so forth. It's it's like there are other things they're trying to put in there. So that's what kind of worries me, too, like how much of this will really benefit a company like this. And maybe it doesn't go yeah, through yet. What's that? No, no, I agree. I just I was wondering just because I know, you know, sometimes when the government starts spending more money on that stuff and mm-hmm. it holds the price to – hopefully get to that $50 mark. That's what I think my exit strategy is going to be. But thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think now with the lower debt, uh, more reasonable, that it, it does make sense to look at this company and maybe perhaps put it in the portfolio. Yeah. All righty? Okay, great. Thanks, guys. You have a good evening. You too, Brennan. Good morning. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. All right. That does open another phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Two four seven three. Let's head down to Chula Vista and speak with Buckley. Buckley, you're in the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi. Um, so my my wife and I have a uh, rental property that we're going to be selling here pretty soon. Okay. But we we do not want to buy another property. But we also don't want to. I mean, if if it's possible to not get hit with the capital gains tax, I, I don't know if that's possible since we're not going to buy another property, but. How can we invest the money from the sale of the property so that we don't get hit with taxes so so, so hard? Uh, unfortunately, and I, how long have you held the property there, Buckley? Um, that was probably eight, nine years. Okay. So, I mean, you, you've probably done extremely well on it. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. part of investing, sometimes you do have to... Uncle Sam wants his little piece of the pie there from you, unfortunately. But what you have to look okay. at is like, okay, what was my net return after I pay the taxes? Probably you still did pretty good. Uh, and then what you have to do is like, okay, so what do we need now going forward? How can we invest this money? Do you, were you taking income from the rents? Were you, what were you doing with the rent money? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. so you need something else maybe that's going to pay you income as well? 
No, no, we don't. You don't. Okay, so so you just want to invest the money and have it work well for you. I mean, it depends on well, your. We, go ahead. We, we we would like to invest the money so that uh, our 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 children can use it for their for their college education down down the road. Okay. Okay. So so that'd be something else you do is kind of let it grow, and then as your children need it, because one thing that people kind of forget about when your children go in school, they don't need all the tuition. You know, September the first year, it is over another usually like a four year period. So you kind of take distributions yeah. from that point in time. So w- what I'd recommend is is kind of sit down once you sell the property, uh, sit down, and again, if you want to call our office, I'll give you the phone number. We can sit down with you, kind of go over how to do that, what you need, and so forth, how to invest the money to make your goals that you want to get because um but you do have to pay the taxes and if you want the phone number i'll, I'll give you a phone number so you can give us a call on monday if you want okay great thank uh th- thank you very much okay bye-bye oh did you want the phone number i'm sorry did i mess up uh i, I, I don't have anything to write with it right now but i'll just you I'll can just, uh, yeah you can go to our website too yeah. if you want you can contact us there it's smart investing 2000.com again smart investing 2000.com you can send us a message if you, you want any yeah. kind of assistance because it, it, it is kind of baked into to what you're looking at what you want to use the money for so yeah, go there okay, and uh, hopefully those have helped yeah I, I i very much appreciate that okay buckley thanks for calling bye-bye yep you know it is so hard i <laughs> I think a lot of times people try and avoid the tax. I mean, I've seen people when they sell properties, they try and do something else that's a lot of times there's ways to avoid the taxes. And I did a little air quotes here. People can't see since we're on radio and then you put it in a, something that's many times non-liquid and then you end up costing yourself money because if you would have just paid the taxes, you'd be better off in the long term. So that's what we were kind of talking about earlier in the show is, you know, sometimes you just got to pay the taxes and that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, then you look at the net return. You probably still did very well. I mean, you bought the property eight, nine years ago. You, you probably did very well. Your after-tax return might be, I'm just throwing out a number here, uh, maybe 7, 8, 9, 10%. Who knows what it would be? But it's still very good after-tax because you compare that to tax-free. And tax-free was probably about 2 to 3% back then. Yeah. So you, you still did very, very well. So you have to kind of look at that. All right. Uh, let's go uh, up to Escondido and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I had a real quick question um, as it relates to dividends. And if there's a particular website or somewhere where you can see if the dividends that are paid by a company are either qualified or taxed at ordinary income. I don't know of a website. Uh, do you, Chase? I do not. I'm guessing if you go to that company's website and the investor relations uh, page, you, you could probably see that there. I, I, I mean, they're going to have to tell you <laughs> if right, it right. is qualified or not qualified. And I know many times like REITs, they're taxed differently. So you got to yeah. be careful of that in terms of the taxation. A lot of your bigger companies do pay those qualified dividends. So um, long story short, Tim, uh, it's, it's a great question if there's a website that just lists out if it is qualified or unqualified. But I think the best place to do if you have a particular company in mind is the company's investor relations page. And I believe there's a general rule that if they are borrowing the money to pay out that dividend, uh, it's not qualified. I believe the dividend has to come from actual earned earnings, uh, so they do the the qualification on that. But that's just kind of like a rule of thumb. Do, do you have a, in a lot of different stocks there, Tim? Well, no. I, I Honestly, you're just, I've been listening to your show all day, and the discussion about dividends is so germane, especially – 
since interest rates, if you're holding cash and you're waiting for that correction and it's not coming, mm-hmm. it's almost better to um, go into some type of dividend play. But if they're taxed at ordinary income versus, you know, qualified, uh, you know, capital gains, it's a big difference yes. uh, or qualified dividends. So, yeah. and, and especially when you factor in, you know, what you're earning and things like that, you have to, you have to play it out and, and really be conscious. And so I was, that, that question just came up and I was just wondering as a general rule, if something, if a company's listed on the New York stock exchange or NASDAQ, do, do those companies issue qualified dividends as a general rule or it really just depends? Yeah, it really just depends. It's not a general rule. And again, I think it comes back to where that those earnings came from, how they're paying that dividend. Okay. Um, and, gotcha. and, and that's how I think they do. But uh, most of the time I, uh, you're going to have your companies that they all pay qualified dividends unless you get into the really strange ones. And again, Chase brought up a good point. They're not strange, but REITs uh, are not qualified. Yeah, I got a couple other ones here too. It looks like MLPs are another one you got to be careful. Oh, yeah. And those, those create a whole different chaotic situation. Um, Ter- terrible tax situation. tax situations. Yeah. Uh, also too, like dividends paid on employee stock option plans, but dividends paid by tax-exempt companies. Yeah. Uh, those are all, all going to be non-qualified or not qualified dividends there. So, but it, yeah, a lot of your your big companies that you look at buying on the New York Stock Exchange, uh, those are going to be qualified for the most part. Yeah. So. Right. And I know by rule, REITs have to pay out 90% of their earnings. Mm-hmm. So they are ordinary and yep. not, um, yeah, not qualified. Got you. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, but I think if you buy your right, normal companies that uh, are generally listed, you, you'll probably do fine there. Already? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the call, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, Tim. Thanks for calling. Right. Have Bye-bye. a good one. Bye bye. Uh, What's else? We got just a few minutes left here. So I did want to kind of talk about the workshop because it is coming up uh, on August 26th. And at the workshop, it, 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 we we talk for probably like an hour, hour and a half. We go over a lot of different things that we uh, talk about here to really help people understand more of what we're doing. We show everything we do. We talk about things they should not be doing as well. Uh, also, too, it's a question and answer. We, we we do at the end, a lot of people ask questions and stuff and kind of really help you understand more about investing. Uh, and we show you everything we do. People say, well, Gosh, you you don't keep your secret sauce to yourself? Like, no. We show you what we actually do. It's going to take work. And that's the thing. It takes time to do. I mean, because we do listen to the conference calls. We read the conference calls. We go over all the information. So we show you everything we do and how we do the numbers every Monday. We go over all these numbers and so forth. The key is we show you what we do, um, and we do it for people. That's the big thing is most people say, well, that takes too much time. I can't do it. Well, we show you what we do, and you can hire us. And that's why a lot of people come to the workshop, too, to say, well, Maybe I want to hire these guys, Brent and Chase. Uh, I hear them every Saturday. Uh, they have a lot of common sense. Maybe I want to do that. But come to the workshop for that as well. It is free. We'll go, again, go over all the information for you. Uh, but what you got to do is sign up. Go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Uh, talk to Brianna. She could just signed up. But uh, looking forward to seeing you on August 26th, 6 o'clock, for the Smart Investing Workshop. So It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's always great to meet new people and talk to different people. And, and people say, like, wow, you, this is really different. It's not a sales seminar. It's not a sales seminar. We actually educate you on what we do. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, uh, interesting show today. A lot of regional banks that we went yeah. over, a lot of uh, tax questions as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, the other thing we tell people, too, is if you just turn it in now and you missed – a large portion of the show, 
you can go back on our website and always listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. You can listen to the podcast there, or you can also go on Apple, uh, Spotify, tune in to those major players and um, listen at your time. So if you kind of looking for different companies, building your portfolio, it could be a great help to you. Yeah, yeah, and actually, while they're at the website, they can also sign up for the website for the workshop and see other information there as well. So, uh, when do we get it onto the website? Do you know what the the podcast? Uh, normally, it's after the show. After the show, yeah, okay, yeah. So we try to get up there right away. I do want to apologize for John and Marietta. Sorry, we can get to you. Please call in next week. We'll get to you. Uh, but here I want to talk about RGA or Reinsurance Group, another good good topic I would love to talk about. But I, I, I didn't want to cut them short and not be able to talk there. So, and there again, there is a closing bell. So thank you for listening to the Smart Investing Show. It is for information purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself, Brent Wilsey, or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858 858- Five four six four three zero six, or visit our website smartinvesting2000.com that's smartinvesting2000.com and for more daily educational information along with investment tips go to our Facebook page Smart Investing with Brent Chase Wilsey today's show is sponsored in part by Thompson Reuters closing song Frank Sinatra My Way is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios he will be at Kona Kai Resort on Shelter Island Sinatra's Error Sunday at 5 o'clock I hope to see you there we will be there have a great day talk with you soon Say